Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. What if being a Christian and being part of the body was more than that? What if it was actively and intentionally pursuing God, the person of Christ, Jesus, every day? What if that was the answer to you getting free from sin? What if that was the answer to you having direction and confidence in life? What if that was the answer to you having no worry and anxiety or fear or doubt or unbelief? What if that was the answer to you overcoming every obstacle and hardship and challenge you face? Was just walking so closely intimately, intentionally, consistently with him every day. This has become my life message, I believe, to where we can get lost in the traditions and the way we do church, how we do church. See, I've been in church life my whole life, pretty much. I've been part of mega churches, and I've been part of small churches. And I can tell you one thing that has never happened in my life. I've never been burned out. Never. Not once. The work of ministry has never burned me out. The cost of serving has never burned me out. And you say, well, what is the answer then? How do I have that? I can only attribute to one thing, and that is having daily intimacy with God. If that was not a factor in my life, burning out would always happen. Worry would always happen. Doubt would always happen. Fear would always happen. Anytime that I wasn't walking intimately with God, that's when those things came in. That's when the things that I faced seemed to outweigh who I was in Christ. I know many people that have faced great trials, such as cancer in their body, such as death in their family, financial challenges, losing all that they had. And because of their intimate relationship, they were able to praise and remain in God despite all of it. I've seen others do the opposite. Because of the hardship, because of the challenge, because of what they go through, worry, fear, overcome, overwhelmed, and ultimately, it just beats them to a pole. What if the answer to all your problems is found in just pursuing Jesus? One of the things that we've been studying is the life of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah We know that God gave him a vision to build the walls to protect the people, the walls so that people could fill the city. It was needed, the walls were, so it would fortify the city and give a place where the people that were scattered could come in. And one of the things that we see, because we're up to Nehemiah chapter 9, is that They did something quite interesting. In Nehemiah 9, verse 1 through 3, 
It says this. On October 31st, the people assembled again, and this time they fasted and dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all the foreigners as they confessed their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. Verse 3 is interesting. Look at this. They remained standing in the place for three hours. Say remained. While the book of the law of the Lord, speaking of the five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, or Penta meaning five, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. As the book of the law was being read, then for three more hours they confessed their sin. Repentance, prayer, and then lastly, they worshipped the Lord their God. Notice this, they remained in three things, through the teaching or the reading of the God's word, they remained in confession or repentance or in prayer, and lastly, they remained in worship to the Lord their God. When I was reading this, it reminded me of something familiar that we find in the New Testament in the book of John. In John chapter 15, and I'm going to read a series of scriptures, so don't get bored, but as I read the word, because look, it's not just words, it's life. Let the words that I read, because I'm going to read a series of scriptures, about 17 verses to you, but listen. It says in John 15, verse 1, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Verse 4, look at the wording. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Some translations say, abide in me, and I will abide in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit Now, the branch is you if you do not know yet. A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, the vine being Jesus. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Verse 5, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. Verse 9, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandment, commandments and remain in his love. Notice Jesus never asks you to do something that he never did. 
I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Say his joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends, and if you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confine in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Say lasting fruit. So that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. There's so much here. But in contrast to Nehemiah and the people of Israel, they're back into the city and the first thing that we know they do is they remain in his word, they remain in prayer, and they remain in worship. Growing up, that was the three things my parents taught me. Remain in his word, remain in prayer, and remain in worship. Those three things all point to one person, Jesus. Notice this when it comes to remaining in his word. In John 14, 23 to 24, it says, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Notice the Bible says, if you love him, you'll keep his word. The people of Israel in the city of Jerusalem, we know that they loved God. Because they went back to a place of repentance before God, repenting for their ancestors, repenting for their past generations, and also repenting for themselves then and there. That is love. If you love me, you'll keep my word. What is love? Love is intimacy with him. Love is walking with him. Love is worshiping him. Love is saying, I give my life to you, everything, my heart. The Bible says, love, your Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. Everything that you have, love him. This is why marriages fail. Because spouses don't love each other with everything. There's conditions to love. This is why relationships fail. Because there's conditions to love. Do you know that in the body of Christ, the only response we are to have to one another is love? But you can't love one another if you don't love God. Because the only way you can love one another is by loving God. Because when you know the love of the Father, well, then you can express the love of the Father to the people around you. This is why you got people in church that talk trash, that gossip, that cause division, that don't really have their mark 
their life marked for Christ because they don't walk with the Father. Because what would happen if the church would walk with the Father? Well, the world would see the expression of God's love. Now, love doesn't mean tolerance to everything. Love is truth, not my truth, not your truth or someone else's truth or what the government says is truth or what somebody may say is truth. No, love is God's truth. And the Bible says it this way, that it's the truth that you know, speaking of his truth, that will set you free. Freedom only comes when you know God's truth. And what does this mean for us as worshipers, as men and women that remain in him and abide in him? Well, this is what it means. When you love God, your truth will change. The life that you live will be a reflection of the love or the person that you walk with. I, as a married man, for almost 13 years, now have changed, have been molded, have grown to reflect my love for my wife. It is grown. And the same way in my natural relationship, the same way in our relationship with God. The more you walk with God, the more you grow to reflect who he is in your life. This is why Paul said, be an imitator of me. Imitate me. Why? Because Paul was imitating the Father. See, you must understand that the person you are pursuing after, being Jesus, can only be pursued one way. Many people try to pursue him different ways, and that's why they never see who he truly is. This is why many people never experience what he truly has to offer. Because the only way you can truly pursue God and know God is through sacrifice. It's through submission. It's through surrender. It's laying everything down and saying, I am yours and you are mine. It says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Notice this. How do you remain in God's word? Well, you understand that his word is not just written but also, it is spoken. See, the Bible says in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus speaking, that man should not live by bread alone, speaking of natural things, but by every word, speaking of his word, every word that comes from the mouth of God. God's word, the Bible, is the written word of God. It's God's word to you. And we must do the due diligence, just like 2 Timothy says in verse 3, verse 16 through 17, that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. You want to be complete? You want to be whole? You want to be satisfied? You want to be well-equipped? It's all found in his word. You must learn to remain in his word. You must learn to abide in his word. The Bible says it this way as well, that his word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. The Bible says it another way, that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. In Colossians verse 3, verse 16, it says, chapter 3, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. 
teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Luke 12, 11, 28 says, blessed are those who rather hear the word of God and keep it. Meaning you can hear the word, but not keep it. Right now, you can hear everything I'm saying, but it absolutely means nothing to you. You're just ready to go. It's 11.54. Come on. We got 12 o'clock. We got the day to run. Let me help you. That is because the attitude of your heart. If you were to treat your spouse that same way, and you're wondering why it's failing. If you were to treat life that way, you would wonder why it's so hard. See, for even some of us, it's not even treating people, it's treating ourselves that way. You don't see yourself as valuable. You don't see yourself as someone that is worthy. You don't see yourself as somebody that is valued in the eyes of God. Let me help you. God loves you. You are his child. You're a child of God. Now, your thoughts, your emotions, and the words of your past can either dictate your life or you can allow those things and say, you know what? That's not who I am. That's not my identity. I am not who they say I am. I am not what I think I am. I am only who God says I am. They remained in his word. Second thing that they did, they remained in prayer. They were constant in prayer. Constant in prayer. The Bible says it this way. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. That's Romans 12, 12. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And even I like Romans 8. Because even when you don't know how to pray, when you prayed all that you possibly could pray, it says in verse 26 of Romans 8, likewise, the Spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God, helps you in your weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself is interceding for you with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When I don't know what to pray, when I don't know how to pray, I can pray in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit is praying for me. See, some of you just need to receive of the Spirit, get baptized in the Holy Ghost, and then just by faith begin to speak. It's that easy. It's faith. And in doing so, you have a, another way of praying. They remained in prayer or they remained in confession, repentance. The Bible says it this way in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. 1 John 1, 9. You guys okay? It says, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Notice it says first in Nehemiah that God's word is with the first place that remained for three hours. 
And because of remaining in his, his word, it led them to repentance. It led them to prayer. It led them to confession of their own faults. See, when you remain in God's word, it will lead you to a place of repentance. Maybe you don't have repentance in your heart right now. Let me help you. Start getting in his word. Remain in there for a few hours. You'll see that you're not as great as you think you are. You'll understand that this life that you have that God has given you is a life of repentance. See, we should never get to the place where we think, oh, man, I'm all that in a bag of chips. No, because the reality, you're nothing without him. You're nothing without him. He says, but if we confess our sins to him, notice confession is of the heart, but it takes the mouth. You can always tell where somebody's heart is by how they speak. Even the Bible says it. Today, where is your heart? And lastly, it says that they remained in worship. They remained in worship. Now, worshiping is three things. I say this a lot, but I'm going to say it again. Worship is this. Surrender. Submission. And sacrifice. I surrender my will. I surrender my wants. Submission, I submit my way. I submit my ideas. And sacrifice, I sacrifice all that I am. What if this is the reason why you haven't experienced God like I preach? What if this is why you haven't experienced God like the people around you, maybe? It's because you haven't fully worshipped him. For the people of Israel, in order to fully have God as a center and the focus of their life, because that's what happened. God became the focus. As they remained in the word, they remained in confession, and they remained in worship. It says that God became the focus. And if you read the rest of chapter 9, you know what it is? A prayer. It's praising him. And they talk about how he delivered them, how he set them free out of the captive, uh, captivity of Egypt. How the many miracles that God did for the people of Israel as they crossed the Red Sea, as they were in the wilderness, God provided for them. How he led them to the promised land. These three areas of remaining in his word and confession and worship brought them to a place of remembrance of who God is. When it comes to worship, the Bible says it this way. In verse Romans 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Which is your spiritual worship. Another translation says, which is your reasonable worship, or it's the least that you can do. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Presenting yourself 
presenting. What, think about present, presentation, presenting. You ever been to a fine dining restaurant where the presentation is just, it's nice, it's mint, it's, right? It's just five star. In America, the waiting service is a little different there if you've been there. To where the waiters make money off of how they serve. When I was a teenager, I remember this understanding of what it meant to wait on God. Waiting on God wasn't actually just sitting there and waiting and doing nothing, but waiting on God was actually working and just staying faithful and committed to him. It meant doing something. And it goes back to that illustration of a waiter. See, a waiter, in order to get tipped money, they work. It's very different here in Australia. In America, you make money by how you perform, how you serve. And when it comes to fine dining, some of those places, those waiters are on point. They got everything memorized in their head. That drink's always filled to the top. Even if you didn't drink half of it, it's already filled up again. You ever had that experience? Let me just drink the whole thing. Come on. And in the same way, this is what worship is. It's serving him. It's getting to know him. You know, this is the, really the reason why we memorize things or why we learn and grow and develop in his word. This is why we wanted to go deeper in knowledge and understanding and study to show ourselves approved. This is why we want to understand biblical understanding and topics and be able to preach and minister to people. And not just preach from experience, but preach from his word. We become like that waiter. But we're devoted and dedicated to him. Because in return, you experience all that he has. And it's not that he's holding back based on your performance. No, that's not the God you serve. No, it's based on your faith and belief in him. And what you do because of your faith in him. Today, we know that we're not righteous through our good works. No, we are only righteous because of the blood of Jesus. Today, you are holy and acceptable because of his blood. And because of that, I give my life as a living sacrifice. Because of that, I worship. Right here, I'm finished. It says this. They remained in the word. His word does this. His word washes you. His word directs you. His word is life to you. His word strengthens your faith. His word reveals who he is. His word trains and builds you. His word is truth to you. They remained in confession. Confessing our sins is submitting to him as Lord. Confessing our sins keeps you in remembrance of what Jesus has done through his sacrifice. Confessing sins is from a motive of love. Prayer is a repentant praise and repeat. Prayer is repentance, praise, repeat. Praise is repenting, praise, repeat. You don't know how to pray? Repent, repeat. Repent, praise, pre. A lot of times, repeat. A lot of times our prayer life is about saying, God, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. Let me help you right now. That's not the attitude we want to have in prayer. The attitude of prayer is repent, praise, repeat. He knows what you have need of. 
Now, does that say you can't ask God for things? No, the Bible even says emphatically to do so. Do it in faith. But that's not building a prayer life. Now, building my prayer life is simply repenting, praising him, and and repeating it. Constant prayer changes your speech. Constant prayer keeps your mind on him. Constant prayer becomes substitution to the constant negative talk that comes from your mouth. You want to change the way you speak about your life? Begin to pray. You won't speak death over your life anymore. And lastly, they remain in worship. Again, worship is submission. Worship is surrender. Worship is sacrifice. Worship is choosing his truth over your truth. Worship is not considered. It's freely given. Worship is not based on my emotional state or my personality or where I come from or my background. Worship changes my heart. Worship brings me closer to him. Worship is costly. Worship has a central focus, our Father. And there's one thing that can take your worship, and that is idols. Idols. And this is the one thing that stopped the people of Israel and destroyed them was idolatry. This is why they were scattered for so long. Worshiping pagan gods. And I don't have enough time to go through all that. But one of the things I want to encourage you, whatever you give your most time to, that's what you value. And that's what you are reaping from. That's what you are harvesting from. You sow into something, you reap back. And if you don't sow anything into the kingdom of God, how can you reap anything back? If you don't sow your time with him, how can you reap anything back? If it's just into life, into job, into school, into money, into the system of this world, that's what you're going to reap back. This is a law that God has put in place in the land. It's called seed, time, and harvest. And it's been from the beginning. In the same way, that's a law today. You can experience that when you put it in Christ. Scattering your seed, sowing it, and then return, reaping of that harvest. What takes your time today? Do you see Jesus? Last night I was here praying, and one of the things yesterday for me was, and I'm done. It was a long day. I don't know for you. It was a long day for me. You ever had a day where it just feel like it takes forever to go by? But it wasn't a bad day. Like, we were at the beach, chilling out in the backyard, hanging out, went to the park. Like, it was a fun day, but it was just a long day. I remember looking at my clock. I was like, man, it's only 2 o'clock. Man, it's only 5 o'clock. And then I get up here. I'm like, man, it's just like a long day. But that whole day yesterday, I felt such a longing to be with God. And just through the whole day, just praying and being with him. And I'll be honest, I was like a big baby yesterday. I cried so much, just at random things. But it was just a a new God was in me. And he dwells in us, right? He dwells in us. And I come up here last night, and I'm just praying, and you're on my heart. And I begin just to just pray for you and speak over you. 
And I'm talking about even the people that are new today. Because you're a product of what's been sown in this house. But I remember just, drop, just going to a place of deep, just not pain, but we call it the word travailing. It's a deep prayer where you travail to the point where it hurts. And it's not something you make up and you just you kind of work yourself up to get there. No, it's just there, it's not. And I don't pray like that all the time. But I just felt a deep desire for you to know God. Do you know him? Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.